Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So they went in and, well, they took this, this showbread that they weren't supposed to eat but they were hungry so they did and he says to the to the jewish leaders you don't find anywhere in here that god condemned that why here's number one you don't need to write it down god created the sabbath for the well-being of the people he said it was for the people it wasn't about rules and regulations it was to minister the people see the word sabbath means notice to cease or to rest The Jewish people had been under a heavy burden from all of the interpretations and additions that had taken place to the laws by rabbis over the centuries. Good sense became lost in trivial regulations that would burden the most patient of men. In today's message, Pastor Mark shares how Jesus reminded them of King David when his men ate the shilbread from the temple on the Sabbath as they were running from Saul. God didn't condemn them for it. The lesson? Human need is more important than religious ritual. The Sabbath isn't about rules, it's about rest for God's people. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Rest and Freedom from Religion and Tradition. As we went through the scriptures, we saw Jesus give three invitations, three invitations. The first one was, come to me. It's an invitation for salvation and eternal life. If you're not a Christian yet, life starts with coming to Jesus Christ. Then Jesus used a term that was a little different to us, but not to the people. He said, take my yoke. It was an invitation to discipleship and apprenticeship. Well, what does Jesus mean by being yoked? It's apprenticeship. It's discipleship. Then the third invitation was an interesting one. Jesus said, now that you're yoked with me, I want you to learn from me. And that was an invitation to... Well, learning to be this apprentice, learning how to do life. You know, sometimes when we were teenagers, we thought we had everything we needed. We didn't need to learn anything. Then we became adults. Some of you have teenagers this morning in your home. Here's some rules you need to maybe kind of deal with them. They they think they have it together. No, there's plenty to learn. Here's the life rule number one. Life is not fair. Say it to your teenager. Get used to it. How many know that's true? I mean, if, if you think life's fair, you got a tough world to have, don't you? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Well, here's another one. Say this to your teenager, rule number three. They need to learn this. You will not make $60,000 a year right out of high school. 
they have these unrealistic expectations. Rule number five, flipping burgers is not beneath your dignity. Your grandparents had a different word for flipping burgers. They called it an opportunity. You see, I'm too good to flip burgers. They need to learn these lessons. Here's a better one. Rule number seven. Say this to your teenager. Before you were born, your parents weren't as boring as they are now. (laughs) It goes on. They got that way by paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, and listening to you talk about how cool you think you are. So before you save the rainforest from the parasites of your parents' generation, how about trying to clean the closet in your own room? Any parents can say amen to that one? Okay. Here's rule number 11. We've all experienced this. Say this to your teenager. You need to learn this. Be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one. (laughs) Amen. Well, as we go through life, as we're yoked with Jesus, as we learn from him, what do we learn this life is about? What is it like? What is it supposed to feel like as a Christian? Well, later, Paul kind of put it into simple words. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Paul said it like this. Well, for the kingdom of God, in other words, a Christian life, it's not about what we eat or drink. It's not about rules and regulations and all kind of those little details of life. But it is about living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you're a Christian and you're yoked with Jesus, what would you learn as you went through life? You'd learn there's peace and there's an incredible amount of joy. In fact, you learn to live life to the max, that the greatest lifestyle in all the world is being yoked with Jesus. But for many of us, that excitement is gone. It's kind of just a routine we go through. It's stuff that we do in our life. And in the joy of serving Jesus is pretty subdued. It's just doing life. And we've missed it. Well, what do you mean if I'm yoked with Jesus? It's supposed to be full of joy and life abundantly and excitement and, and a fulfillment and a peace. What do you mean by that? Why isn't it in our lives? Well, you're going to see one major reason today. The contrast between religious rules and a relationship. You see, those rules bring bondage. And a relationship with Jesus that brings freedom and rest. We begin Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples, well, they were hungry. And he began to pick some heads of grain. They did. And they began to eat them. They were having a little snack. Frito-Lay, you know, chips, whatever, as they're going through the fields. They were unprocessed, obviously. And when the Pharisees, the key word here is saw, you might want to circle it. When they saw this, they said to him, Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You see, saw. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, were always on the offensive. They were judgmental. 
They were looking with a critical eye to, well, always to find fault. Instead of rest and joy and excitement following Jesus, they were always looking for something to complain about. Now, let's set the record straight. We know that there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect churches, but sometimes... We become critical. We're always looking. Well, I didn't like the way they did. They parked me over here in this thing. I mean, they parked me back in the back burning. And they got to have my kids back in this row here. And I can't. I'm going to find a church that pleases me. Good luck. Remember the first little rule to your kids? Get used to it. You never find a perfect church. You won't find one. So why be critical? Well, that's what happened to the Pharisees. They were always looking because something was always wrong. And because of that, their, well, their life was tied up in religious rituals and legalism. And they became, instead of joyful Christians, they became four things that we're going to learn today. And you're going to have to kind of say these with me. I'll, I'll go through them the first time and then we'll say them. You see, these Pharisees became like you and I can become. They became cynics. And they became nitpickers. And then there's fault finders. That's what the Pharisees are doing. The guys are having, well, a couple of Trisket. They're sinning. And last, sin sniffers. Can you imagine coming into a church and you sit down and the person next to you is a cynic? I mean, a nitpicker. What are you doing sitting in my chair? Fault finder. Do I smell perfume or... Why'd you put the perfume on? Smoking? (laughs) We laugh. But our churches sometimes are filled with that. That's what happened in Jesus' day. There wasn't joy. These people, they'd become incredibly judgmental. Now, first thing you notice that they say this is, it's unlawful. Well, it wasn't unlawful. Look at Deuteronomy 23, 24. You see it here. If you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. Look at the second part. This the Pharisees knew. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to a standing grain. I love it. I know today we'd say this. If you find a, a field full of corn, you can take a cob. But don't go in there with your machinery and take all the corn out as you're going through. So God provided for some snacks, for some wheat thins in our day and age. It was okay. But the Pharisees said, well, we know this rule, but it's not okay. Because they equated the Sabbath with work. So they were going to come from it with This is work. Well, let's talk a moment about the Sabbath. Notice if you see in that verse, they say, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Well, in Jesus' day, the Sabbath for the Jews was still binding. It was a ceremonial obligation for Israel. But most Jews at that point, they didn't understand why God had established it. Where did God establish it? Way before the Jews were ever formed as a nation, he He established it at creation. You see, when God established the Sabbath, he did it as a time of rest and refreshment. 
It was to take a change of pace in a man who, and a woman who would work six days and then rest one. Whenever I teach on the Sabbath, it's a little convicting even myself because I'm one of these guys that I'm always doing something. Sometimes I just have to kick back or I find myself working seven days a week. Good stuff, but no time to sit and reflect. Maybe it's spoken to you already this morning. Well, the religious rulers, down through the centuries, these Jews, well, they began to focus not on rest, but on work. And so they begin to add and add and add all kinds of rules and regulations that took the day of rest and made it impossible to enjoy. From Friday sundown to Saturday to sundown, the people began to hate it. That was the environment Jesus walked into. How difficult was it? Here's one under their Sabbath regulations. A Jew could not carry a load heavier than a dried fig. Whatever that means. But if an object weighed half that amount, he could carry it twice. Now see, you had to start thinking. Throwing an object into the air with one hand was fine. Catching it with the same hand was fine. If you caught it with the other hand, it was work. Where did that come from? A tailor? Oh, he never carried a needle with him on the Sabbath. In case somebody stopped and said, oh, I, I need you to fix this. He couldn't. It was work. Obviously, nothing could be bought or sold on the Sabbath. No clothing could be washed or dyed. And a woman, you could never look in your mirror on the Sabbath. Why? You might find a gray hair. This is literally, this is from the Jewish history. And if you found a gray hair, what would you do with it? Well, you couldn't dye it because it's work. Well, I'm going to pick that sucker. You couldn't. It's work. When you begin looking at that, you go, what? Rest is equal to the Sabbath? What is this? Well, it's interesting because obviously you couldn't cook and you couldn't do all those things that they would prepare their meals before. That was the day before there's electricity. Let me tell you how it works today. Well, today, if you go to Israel, by and large, uh, the majority of Jews in Israel, actually the majority of Jews around the world, are not religious at all. They... Many of them do not believe in God. A majority probably don't even believe in God. But when it comes to the religious Jewish holidays, for some reason they kind of celebrate some of those days, the Passover and all of those kind of things. It's not too much different. People are just kind of into the religious deal. And they'll celebrate a couple of the Jewish holidays. But many Jews, even non-religious, honor the Sabbath. How does that work? Well, to show you how it works, it's interesting. If you go to Israel and you stay in a hotel, which we do, and you come to Shabbat, uh, at Shabbat, when it's uh, Friday sundown, um, work, you, you can't work. And so, of course, they go and the other people prepare the food for them. So somebody else disobeyed the law. And to get to, let's say you're on the seventh floor, to get down to the first floor where the cafeterias or the lunchroom, how, how would you get there? Well, in the old days, you walked in elevators. And of course, you had, I mean, you had to walk, and that was a certain distance. You had to be careful you didn't walk too far. But today, of course, we have electricity. So we have in Israel today something you don't see anywhere else in the world, basically, called Shabbat elevators. And what is a Shabbat elevator? A Shabbat elevator is programmed ahead of time by a computer. And on Shabbat, when that certain time comes, it just goes to every floor, and it stops for a number of seconds, 
and goes on. You never push it because if you push the button, you did what? You worked. It's amazing, isn't it? And so these people that don't even believe in God, they just ride on the Shabbat elevator because they don't want to work. It's interesting. The last time we were there, one of the young couples who didn't understand this, they were with us. They get on the Shabbat elevator. Well, you're not really supposed to, if you're not Jewish, you're not supposed to get on the Shabbat elevator. You're supposed to use one of the other ones. So they get on, a little Jewish lady at the back said to them, Shabbat. And they went, oh, cool. Shabbat to you. That wasn't a greeting. That was like, it's Shabbat elevator. Get off my elevator. I thought it was great. So from all of this, from all of this, you can see incredible bondage. Well, what did the Mishnah have to say about what the disciples did? Plucking the wheat. Here's what it says. In case a woman rolls wheat to remove husk, it is considered sifting. If she rubs the head of the wheat, it's called threshing. If she cleans off the parts of the wheat, it's called sifting. If she throws it up in her hand to get rid of the shaft, it's called winnowing. It was all work. Is it any wonder that moments before Jesus said this, all you that labor and are heavy laden, why don't you come to me and, and rest? What he was saying is, Why don't you get out from under all your rules and regulations? I mean, you're so tired. You're afraid. You just set it all down. It's man stuff. And come and come to me and rest. Well, Jesus begins, you know, he's been accused. His disciples have been accused. So he's going to come up with three proofs. He's going to refute them. Look at verse 3. And you'll notice three times he talks about them not understanding what they read or not even reading it. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Verse 5, Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here, meeting Jesus. Verse 7, If you had known what these words mean, so here's the, see, these are three slams. These are the religious leaders who are supposed to know this frontward and backward. So he says, first of all, haven't you read about David? Haven't you read what the priests do on the Sabbath? They work every Sabbath. And haven't you ever read Hosea 6, which he's going to quote here, which talks about the character of God. He says, if you had known what these words mean, you may have read it, but you didn't know what they mean. I, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would have not condemned. Notice, he just says a bully. My disciples are not guilty. They're innocent. And then he says, by the way, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. What did that mean? He said, I'm the one that made the rules for the Sabbath. What do you mean Jesus made the rules from the Sabbath? God did. Well, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So Jesus says, you're going to tell me how to apply the Sabbath? I made it. I know how to apply it. The Sabbath is interesting. Jesus, before he even deals with the Sabbath, he goes to the Old Testament. He says, remember David? You're king, David, held in high regard. Well, one day David was running from Saul. Saul was sinning and trying to kill David, who would become the king of Israel. And David and his men were hungry. So they went in and, well, they took this this showbread that they weren't supposed to eat. 
But they were hungry, so they did. And he says to the, to the Jewish leaders, you don't find anywhere in here that God condemned that. Why? Here's number one. You don't need to write it down. God created the Sabbath for the well-being of the people. He said it was for the people. It wasn't about rules and regulations. It was to minister to the people. See, the word Sabbath means, notice, to cease or to rest. To cease or to rest. Friends that are Seventh-day Adventists or people that are in, then that's fine. You know, the Sabbath is Friday night and whatever, and they think we're still under the Sabbath. Let me, I'll give you a little mini thing this morning. I'm not going to go into deep. Maybe that's a background you come from, that we're still under the Old Testament. No, we're not. You see, the law in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, nine of them were moral commandments. One of them was ceremonial, and that was the Sabbath. It was only for the Jews. It was never for the Gentiles. And when we come to the New Testament, we find that the day of worship changed from the Sabbath to the first day of the week. But then we find something greater. We discover that the Sabbath was equal, notice, to cease or to rest. Let me read you from Colossians. You can just write this down and look it up later. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, Paul says, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. You're worshiping on the wrong day. You can't judge me. The Bible, you, you want to worship on the Sabbath? Saturday, Friday night? That's cool. Fine with us. Because we learn that we actually worship God 24-7. That's right. And then he goes on and he says this. These, the Sabbaths and all these things, are nothing but a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. What does that mean? Well, when you see the meaning of Sabbath to cease or rest, here's what we discover. Our rest isn't in a day. Our rest is in a person. You see, on that cross, Jesus died. And what principle is in our face is this. You can stop trying to be good enough to get to God now. Jesus paid it. So for us today, all I have to do is accept his work. It's finished. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. So when I accept Jesus Christ, I, watch, cease to work for my salvation. By the way, working for it, never got it anyway. On your best day, you could never get it. So Jesus became, in the New Testament, our rest. So there's no need to struggle over your salvation. It's accomplished if you're a Christian. If you're not, it's time to come. That was his first invitation. Come to me. Now, as we go through this, notice some interesting things. I'm going to give you 10 lessons this morning. Here we go. Number one, what was Jesus saying? He says this, human need is more important than religious ritual. The Jewish people had been experiencing a tremendous burden from all of the rabbinical interpretations and additions to God's law that he never intended. Today, Pastor Mark shared some of these strange interpretations with us. But most importantly, he taught us that in this environment of legalism, Jesus brought his offer of freedom. Jesus saw human need as more important than rules and regulations. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. 
The cost for each CD is $5 and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Contrary to the Jewish leaders, Jesus cared about people more than petty rules and regulations. He put a premium on human need. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will further highlight this difference between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. We will learn that it is the proper application of biblical truth that will lead men to freedom. In contrast to the negativity of the Jews, Jesus focused on the yeses of life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark teaches through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.